That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is a special place. Talk to me about it. Where are we right now? Previously on Finding Brittany Drexel. A trip to Brittany's hometown of Chile outside of Rochester reveals that all was not well at home just before Brittany made her unsanctioned trip to Myrtle Beach. She was a promising future kid, you know, teenager. She was the sadness of that she snuck out behind her mom's back. And after losing contact, all Brittany's family has to hold on to is this broken promise. And then Brittany says, okay, mom, I'll see you tomorrow. I love you. Those were her last words to me. We're following breaking news out of Georgetown County right now. You do have the right to remain silent. It involves a man named as a person of interest in the Brittany Drexel case. Anything you say can will be used against you in a court of law. Brittany was 17, a junior at Gates Chilai, when she left without her mom's permission for spring break in Myrtle Beach. Never in my wildest dreams ever thought my child would go missing, but now look where I am. It seemed inconceivable that someone could just virtually vanish walking between two hotels on a very busy strip. The people that did this are still in the community. They're bad people. Do you think you could be responsible for Brittany Drexel's disappearance? I think you're responsible for anybody's disappearance. From the studios of WCIV ABC News 4 in Charleston, South Carolina. I'll give you a story that I don't think has really ever come out. I'm Ann Emerson, and this is Unsolved South Carolina, case file number two. To me, this is a case of that you will remember for the rest of your life, no matter what. Finding Brittany Drexel. I'll take you right where the body is, but I feel like you haven't been there anymore, you never get that body. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a fact. The last text message Brittany Drexel ever sent was to her longtime on-again, off-again boyfriend, John Greco. That was at 8.58 p.m. on April 25th, 2009. All she said was she was... I'm staying in, packing, and going to sleep. And after that, nothing. John very quickly began to suspect something was wrong. Here's Tracy Chanaka with the Myrtle Beach Police. When she stopped contacting her boyfriend abruptly, her boyfriend actually went to her mother's house and um, said, hey, Brittany's down in Myrtle Beach. I was talking to her. Now Now I don't know where she is. And so the mother, Brittany's mother, contacted a Marine that was stationed up at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, which isn't too far away from here. And he drove down to Myrtle Beach, and he is the one who made the police report. John Hahn was a friend of the Drexel family. Here's Brittany's dad, Chad Drexel. He was only two and a half hours away. He drove right down there. And okay, please tell him or give me his number so I can call him in a couple hours to see what's going on. Back to Tracy. Immediately, the officer that took that report 
Um, what we would do is like put it out over the radio that we have a bolo, you know, be on the lookout for a missing person with a description of what she looked like and what she may have been wearing if anyone knew. And then officers in the area would immediately start, um, you know, looking for her. And that's what would have happened that night. The following morning on April 26, 2009, Tracy comes on duty. She takes a case that will stick with her forever. I didn't come into work till like, you know, eight o'clock the next morning. But when I got to work, um, I guess it would have been on the 26th um, of April. It's less than 12 hours since Brittany's last text message to her boyfriend, where she tells him she's walking back to her hotel. We were briefed that we had a, a missing 17-year-old um, that was down here for spring break. All of the detective division, all the detectives were tasked with just basically trying to find her. So immediately, um, you know, we don't wait like, you know, 48 hours or anything like that after we get a missing person report. We all get on it right away here. So, you know, we just went out um, and canvassed the area that she was last seen, um, which was the Blue Water Resort. And then all the way to the Bar Harbor Motel where she had been staying with these girls that she had come down from New York with. And um, just basically, you know, going into, you know, hotels, asking if anybody had seen her. By that time, we had a photo of her that we were showing around. And um, just, you know, just trying to track down where she might have been um, in those early hours, in the early first day or two. Tracy secured that famous video of Britney plastered across every news channel for years. The young girl casually walks in and then out of the Blue Water Resort lobby. Black shorts, blue and white shirt, wearing a pair of flip-flops with an oversized cream-colored leather purse draped over her shoulder. We quickly learned that she was visiting some friends at the Blue Water Resort. She was still having conversation with her boyfriend at the time um, when she abruptly stopped texting him. We became concerned that maybe she um, went somewhere against her will because she stopped texting and she was known to be on that cell phone nonstop. And by the records that we looked at, that was very obvious that she was on her phone all the time. And whenever she stopped communicating abruptly and her cell phone was quickly moving to Georgetown and um, ending up at the pole yard, I mean, nothing after that, no communication with anyone after that. You know, we, we were very concerned. I asked Jenny Ryan about those tense first few days into the search. She's a former anchor at WHAM News 13. That's in Brittany's hometown of Rochester. From the moment this story broke, for all intents and purposes, it became it became a massive story in your area, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Oh, it sure did. For those reasons, people could relate to it. And, you know, there was a, a lot of mystery to it. And and obviously concern for the family and for Brittany. Um, because people often went to Myrtle Beach, it seemed inconceivable that someone could just virtually vanish walking between two hotels on a very busy strip at not a very late time at night. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Within a few hours of Brittany vanishing, the word had spread and Tracy had a small army of volunteers ready to begin searching. This was, it turned into a major all out, all hands on deck, didn't it? It did, absolutely. We we were not gonna stop searching for Brittany until we found her. I understand Monica Kaysen came in. She sure did. Um, by the 28th of April, we had helicopters and people on ground, um, including myself and many other detectives from our agency. And um, I know Monica came in very early on um, that's how I met Monica. Monica Kaysen remembers that call. Monica runs the Q Center. That stands for Community United Effort for Missing People. Q was founded in 1994, basically to be a liaison between law enforcement communities and families. Um, and uh, we're a national nonprofit organization that looks for missing people. Monica stands, I guess, about 5'7", with a shock of long white blonde hair and well-tanned skin from being out in the elements a fair amount. We've met up on the side of the highway just outside Georgetown to talk about Brittany's case. While we talk, she leaves her SUV running to keep the air on for her dog. He's a working dog, and they have to head out first thing in the morning to go on another search for a missing person in the area. Monica, where are we right now? This is one location. Um, gosh, there were so many back in the day um, that we searched for Brittany Drexel. And this is in Georgetown County. It's a pretty creepy place at night. We watched the traffic zoom by on Highway 17, just over the bridge to Georgetown. There's a boat ramp a little farther down from the spot we're standing. Long marsh grasses hide the swampy, wet ground just off to the sides of the road. You get the distinct feeling there's a wild ecosystem on either side of us. Monica knows it too. For a beautiful day, I'm not complaining. Right. And Monica appears to remember everything, including every path she's ever crossed on every search as if those searches replay like a movie in her head. We tread softly down the middle of the narrow road as she recounts the Britney movie. I was called the night Britney got missing, I was called the next day at 11 o'clock. And uh, who called you? Myrtle Beach Police Department and basically put me on standby and said, we've got a missing you know, kid, uh, juvenile, if you will. Um, you know, we don't think it's a runaway. We're we're still collecting information. We're getting ready to start searching out there at the pole yard landing. And, uh, but we want you guys to go ahead and you know, be on standby. And that was like 11. It's incredible. An event that took place 13 years ago. But Monica's job is to remember details. As another person told me in this investigation, the devil is in the details. I started making calls and you know, getting dogs and people packed or whatever. And um, it was probably about 30 minutes later or so, maybe a little bit longer, they called back and said, come. So we were here, you know, literally the next day kind of thing. And they already had, when I got to pole yard landing, I remember uh, Sheriff Cribb. Sheriff Lane Cribb was the longest serving sheriff in Georgetown County history, 
already 17 years at the job when Brittany went missing. A grandfatherly character, Cribb was a criminal investigator before he was the sheriff. He was set on finding this missing teen girl who was not from around here. I have the step stools on the side of, I had a white Suburban back then, and he jumped all that and he briefed me all the way down that road. What's going on, what they were doing, what, you know, what their fears were. Um, and so I was kind of listening to him, driving in with people coming in behind me and, and it just, we hit the ground running, literally. Monica, when you did that, the, what was the, what was the thoughts in those first critical hours? Like what, what were they thinking? that she could be alive, out there hurt. Um, it was an urgency, there was definitely an urgency. It was in the air, everybody was like, let's go, let's go, let's get out there, you know, it's getting ready to get dark kind of thing. If she is out here, she's already been here one night, you know, kind of thing, and um, so that's kind of where it was. Well, I started calling shooters um, for the dogs I was putting out on the ground. I saw the gator activity, massive gator activity, um, snakes everywhere, it was, uh, you know, wild hogs, I mean, it was, there was like, I always say there was like nine flying objects that would just rip and run. They didn't even stop and bite you, just like, I mean, the, these scars are all from, they just literally rip your skin off and just take off. The Lowcountry ecosystem was alive and ready to fight this human invasion. It was really intense, and so I started calling people in uh, that, um, basically to shelter and protect the dogs from the wild hogs and whatnot. So I had, I know at one point I was working my dog and the shooter's like right over the head, you know, please be careful, you know, there's a lot of stuff down there and a lot of different wild animals and they're, they're mad, you know, because you're coming into there and it's prime for everything, you know, that time of year in April. It's just prime for everything. There's nobody's asleep. Tracy Chinaka from the Myrtle Beach Police Department stayed with the search. So we spent all that time down there at the pole yard on foot looking for, you know, her cell phone, which was last being there, looking for any evidence that she had been there, any articles of her clothing, her purse. Monica has 15,000 volunteers on her roster, many who are missing loved ones themselves. And within hours, it was as if the whole world was down here searching for Brittany. Monica says officers from the State Law Enforcement Division, also known as SLED, were already on the scene when she arrived. And they were like, this is what we're looking at, this comb area. You know, we need to expand out from there, but right now this is our main focus. And, you know, and, you know, I've seen enough of the cell phone information and maps and stuff that, yeah, yeah I agreed with that. So we, you know, like I said, we just started, you know, we, it was uniformed. They had a helicopter out as well. Um, I think they were doing sonar on the boat, so I started calling some water dogs in to get dogs out on the water. And they started arriving um, late that night, so they were ready for the next day. And it just grew. It grew from like the 30 officers that were out there and, and then us, and there was probably about 30 or 40 of us. Um, and then I had a lot of call outs, so people were still en route. So now as my people start arriving, now it's like more than 100. And then we've got horses everywhere and we've got a helicopter landing and the horses are, you know, rearing up. And I'm like, I sat there and looked, I said, we've got to get a bigger place. Like we've already outgrown this thing and it hasn't even been 24 hours. A farm not far from the boat landing soon became the center of operations. It wasn't much, just an open air barn and cropland, but it had electricity. And more importantly, it was gated to stop unwanted eyes and ears 
from intruding with curious onlookers and the media showing up in droves. Within four hours from that day that they gave me the yes, we started moving everybody over there for the next morning um, and kind of laying out. We started sectioning it off because the media was showing up in droves. And so we started, I had people standing at the gate and they were like, if you're media this way, if your dog's this way, if your horse is that way, you know, kind of thing. And they got down to business, searching and researching, pouring over maps, looking for the smallest clue, a torn branch, a piece of cloth, anything at all that could lead them to Brittany. For 11 days hard, I mean, we were working sun up to sundown. And back then, you know, in April, you, you pretty much light until about what, eight or nine o'clock. Sure. So, and so we'd get back to the hotels. I would sit on the bathtub picking ticks you know, for an hour or so, and then you jump in the shower and do it all over again. The search party grew, as did the intense media interest. It was every parent's worst nightmare, and it still is. When you were in the height of the search for Brittany, how many people were helping? Well, as far as in the woods, it could have been on any given day from 700 plus. That's right. Nearly a thousand people were out trudging through icky, low country pluff mud as temperatures rose and more and more creatures came out to investigate. When did you meet the mom? Well, the probably about seven days into the search, um, maybe about six or seven days. As this was unfolding down at Pole Yard Boat Landing, Brittany's mom, Dawn, dropped Brittany's brother, Camden, and sister, Marissa, off with their father, Chad. She hightailed it down to Myrtle Beach from Rochester to try and find her daughter. Brittany's friend, Tara, went with her. We were searching for her everywhere. We were searching in alleys. We were searching in trailer parks. We were searching in dumpsters, looking for her phone, for her purse, for her. Chad was stuck in New York, which was devastating to him. The next morning was Monday. I called in to work told them what was going on and now, was, now it's on the news. And so then, <clears throat> see, in the beginning of the case, we heard all kinds of stories. I had all kinds of mediums calling me. I had this vision, your daughter was in by this wall, just all these different scenarios. Remember John Hahn, that young Marine who first sounded the alarm to law enforcement? John said it was crazy how many tips started pouring in. A lot of calls did come in with possible Britney sightings. And every tip had to be followed, from a girl on the bus to leads down in McClellanville. That's a small community just south of the boat landing. But according to law enforcement, within reach of the last cell phone ping from Britney's phone. So we were knocking on doors saying, hey, we have a young lady missing from Myrtle Beach. Um, have any of you seen her? Um, in this area. You know, she could be a runaway. We don't know if she's just down here hanging out with some people that she met up in Myrtle Beach, but we're just trying to get any information we can about this missing person. And uh, as we're knocking on doors in that area, um, you know, we had a lot of community members um, saying that um, they had heard that um, she may have been in that area. Why would they say that? Uh, I don't know, honestly. Um, Unless there were, you know, young females that resembled Brittany that were down in that area at the same time. I can't answer that question. I only know what they told us. And they, a lot of community members told us the same thing. A lot of community members said, yes, I heard that she was down here in this area. 
and you know or I heard you know or so and so saw her down here we were getting a lot of information down there that she may have been seen in that area yet months pass with no real solid leads and a mother's worry uh, it turns to terror we're beside ourselves it's just, we miss Brittany so so much in August four months after Brittany disappears Monica and Brittany's mother Dawn organize a balloon release in hopes of keeping attention on the case. One, two, three. Brittany's mother makes a public appeal. She didn't disappear off the face of the earth. Somebody's gotta know something. Something has to be somewhere. The despair in Dawn's voice is palpable. It's not knowing where she is, you know? I just wanna get her back. I wanna hold her and touch her. Monica is right there to support Dawn, to tell Brittany's story to the world. She pretty much was in plain sight when she became missing. It's as that she has just disappeared, vanished, and we have nothing but a trail of a possible cell phone. And again, if anyone has picked up that phone and they're scared to, to turn it in or they're scared, just call somebody. Let them know that you do have that phone and turn it in because that is vital. We need to know where that phone was found if, in fact, it has been found. Somebody saw something and they're sitting back thinking, you know, that, oh, it's not important, you know, and it could, it could be the thing that could break the case or even verify something that investigators know within the case. And that was 13 years ago. And today, as Monica and I walk the same paths where she searched for Brittany back then, we talk about the media attention. How did we, for so many years, pay attention to this story and, and in the disappearance. With the organization, we've learned one thing you have to do is treat a missing person like a marketing tool. When we have a missing person is we try to present them to the public because we want the public to fall in love with them. We want people to engage. Like you have to market that person. Anything you can put their face on or get their story out to. And so, you know, we did, um, we did billboard, we did stickers, we did cards at every event. You name it, I don't think there was anything we didn't do or put her picture on. And that certainly brought plenty of tips in. And with it, renewed hope. In December, eight months after her disappearance, a pair of Prada knockoff sunglasses turn up near the pole yard boat landing. They look just like the pair Brittany was wearing when she disappeared. A week-long search for missing spring breaker Brittany Drexel turned up a possible piece of evidence in her disappearance. This pair of knockoff Prada sunglasses was found in some woods along the banks of the North Santee River in Georgetown County. We spoke with the woman who found those glasses while camping along the river and had heard about the search, so she called police. They wouldn't be like something that a hunter or anyone would wear. And uh, just that they were in a funny place where they wouldn't have washed up that they, you know, had to have been dropped there. Chad clung to the hope. Take me back just a little bit. You had some major moments in this case that you had to deal with. There were sunglasses found. Mm. What was that like? Oh, those are great moments in the beginning. Really? Where, when, why? Did you, are they, are they looking for fingerprints? You know, those things. Then they're, yep, they weren't hers. Okay. So after that, Whenever something like that came up, it's just a roller coaster. The downfall of the case's notoriety, hurtful to downright horrifying tips. It was even just crazy random stuff like, I have your daughter, call me, you know, and just like Twitter stuff, fake profiles. Mom, this is Brittany, stop the, I don't have people looking for me, you know, just, it was went from zero to a thousand every day. And that happened first 
God, the whole first year was a nightmare with that. And then this disturbing report. July 2010, a little over one year after Brittany goes missing, a young woman from Tennessee is visiting Myrtle Beach. Randa Massey claims she was nearly abducted from the same spot where Brittany was last seen. Police show Randa a lineup, and she points out a man from McClellanville, Sean Taylor. He's a stout, stocky man, but soft-spoken. We see that as news cameras follow him in and out of bond court after his arrest. Listen to this. Do you have any comment on the, the charges that you face? Um, not really. I mean, it's not me, so. Why do you say it's not you? Because I know it's not me. Why do you think they say it's you? I'm not sure. Sean spends months in jail. News reports quickly make the connection between him and Brittany Drexel. Do you know anything about the uh, Brittany Drexel case? Nothing about that. Do you know that name? I see it on TV a lot. Do you have any idea who uh, may have been involved with that? No, I don't. Were you involved with Brittany Drexel's disappearance? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Guess what? Sean Taylor was nowhere near Ocean Boulevard in Myrtle Beach that day. Luckily for him, surveillance camera video proved he was 30 minutes away in another town the same time this alleged kidnapping attempt happened. He was falsely accused, but that part never really made the headlines, unluckily for the Taylor family. Please remember that. It's going to be very important for future episodes, and you can learn more about the Taylors right now by going to our website at abcnews4.com slash Drexel. Coming up on Unsolved South Carolina, Finding Brittany Drexel. This is our man. This, this is the guy who did it. The investigator who discovers there's a serial rapist in the area when Brittany Drexel disappears. That was the very first time, you know, he was ever on anybody's radar. But no one was prepared to hear what this convicted sex offender had been up to. He wants to have a place to take him. He said he wants to set up a place in the woods and scope some people out. And then when the time is right and nobody's around, he can snatch them and do what he wants for us because he says that they mean nothing to him. They're just like a toy in his toy box. Unsolved South Carolina Finding Brittany Drexel is a production of WCIV-TV ABC News 4. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us reach more people by giving us a positive rating and leaving a review. For more on the Drexel case, visit abcnews4.com slash Drexel. For show updates and exclusive extras, follow Unsolved South Carolina on social media at Unsolved SC Pod. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill 
to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.